We're joined now on Sports Talk by Dr. Helen Murray, Research Fellow at the University of Auckland Centre for Brain Research, around the study that's just been released about the effects of contact sport and the risks of neurodegenerative disease, two and a half times higher than that of the general population. There are a number of other stats and figures that can be taken out of this study that I'd suggest, Dr. Murray, are more than rather alarming. I think we're all aware of these issues, but the more studies come out, the more you think, okay, we have a real problem here. Is that a fair thing to say? And welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I think this study really highlights that um, repeated head injury you know, is a risk factor for degenerative diseases. And, and this study really does corroborate work that's been done in other sports as well. So it, it, it is um, something that we need to be aware of. And we are um, definitely need to follow up on this and, and do some action in this New Zealand. Okay, so you mentioned that it does work with, with other uh, studies that have been done with the likes of, of NFL, with the likes of football. So it's not just rugby, it's anything that's based on, on contact. And, and you're an ice hockey player yourself, so I suppose that would, would fall into those realms? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've played ice hockey for many years now, and, and we know that um, repetitive head injury, regardless of, of the source, is really one of the problems here. And it's not necessarily the concussive injuries that cause symptoms that we need to be concerned of um, by themselves. It's also those repetitive head injuries that uh, we might get during training that could be quite minor in our minds. We might think they're quite minor, that don't cause any symptoms. But over time, they accumulate and cause damage, which can lead to these progressive brain diseases. So when you say quite minor, what are you referencing here? Well, I think what we would consider to be a concussive injury is something that causes a symptom that, that we recognise as, as um, you know, headaches and, and blurry vision and that kind of thing. But there can be lots of injuries that can happen just from sharp movement of the head during training, um, during any kind of um, impact that could move the brain quite violently and cause damage that we might not even be aware of. So this is the ricochet situation where your brain sitting within the fluid, whatever you call it, in your skull, can bounce back and forth off the interior of the skull. Is that what you're referencing? Yes, exactly. Yes. So any time that your head is moving violently, you're going to find your brain actually is moving inside of your skull. So even uh, with a helmet as well, uh, helmets will disperse some of that impact, so it will still cause your brain, you know, your brain will still move inside the skull. The thought that helmet and helmets and headgear and the like, it's really more of a situation of dealing with um, scar tissue on the outside. It's its looking at um, stopping uh, cuts and stuff to your head. But, but internally, they don't do a great deal. But you're saying that they can disperse some of that energy. So better headgear than no headgear. Um, I think the headgear side of things is quite confusing in this situation. So it isn't going to stop you from getting a concussion. Your brain is still going to move around inside your skull. But it can stop um, very serious injuries like skull fractures or or um, cuts and that kind of thing. So in, in many cases, headgear is, is good and useful. But when we think about how we prevent neurodegenerative diseases, we really need to be thinking about how do we reduce the kinds of um, head impacts and training? How do we reduce the, the number of times that we're going to be hitting our heads overall. So does that have to be addressed not only in game playing, but more more so in training? And, and I've, I've seen studies suggesting that at the amount of time spending at training, it needs to be drastically reduced, not necessarily game time itself. But that's probably the, the, the bigger ogre here, if anything, Helen. Yeah, exactly. So athletes spend 
most of their time training, probably 80, 90% of their time is really training rather than in games. And so most of the head injury exposure is probably coming from training. Um, and, and that, you know, training is really important for any athletic endeavour, but we need to find ways to do it um, safely so that we aren't adding more and more head impact risk over time. So is there a, 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 not a simple out, but is there something that we can initiate now that's going to aid and abet people not falling into this trap? Is it as simple as reducing time spent in training? I think that's really going to depend on individual sports um, because where the head injury risk comes from is different for every sport. And so I think it is not necessarily one one thing that we can do that's going to, to work for every single um, sport. So that really has to kind of come from a sport-specific um, mindset. But overall, the principle should be that, you know, we should be reducing head injury any way we can. And also, I think, monitoring players a little bit more closely during their playing career, after their playing career, to, to make sure that um, we detect any changes that are happening and hopefully find ways to intervene. Is, is there a, a simple enough way to achieve that as far as maintaining I suppose, coverage of these players? Is, is there an easy way to do it? Are they easy enough tests? Are they cheap enough tests? Is it going to be accessible to the general public? Well, I think that's really the, the issue. Is, you know, at an elite or professional level, there's a lot, lot of resources to, to monitor brain health um, potentially. But for amateur players and for people who are you know, playing sports throughout their lives, how do we do that in a way that's um, sustainable and achievable and, and accessible to everyone? And I don't know if there are answers to this just yet, but it's something that we really need to be thinking about. And we're joined on Sports Talk by Dr Helen Murray, Research Fellow at the University of Auckland Centre for Brain Research around the study that's talking more and more about the effects that uh, contact sport has on our brain health. We've been aware of this for some time. Haven't we, though, Dr. Murray? This is, this is hardly new, but it's getting increasing momentum as more and more people are engaging in the study and making a noise about it. Yeah, exactly. This is um, something that we have known about for a while. We've known that traumatic brain injury is a risk factor for degeneration um, and brain diseases. Uh, I think what's happening now is we're seeing more sports-specific studies um, that are linking this. So previously there's been studies in American football and soccer, and, and this study is looking at, at rugby. So it's more adding to the body of evidence, I think. It's very wide-ranging, too. When you look through the report, uh, the amount of conditions that are checked there, there's there's no place to hide here. It's it's right across the spectrum, isn't it? Yeah, there are a lot of different types of neurodegenerative disorders. In this study, they looked at motor neuron disease and Parkinson's disease, and then what they classify as uh, dementia, not otherwise specified. But that group could entail all sorts of things, like Alzheimer's disease, frontotemporal dementia, or chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And that's one that I always trip up on because it's such a such a horrible. Yeah, CTE. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That makes it a lot easier. Well, what about um, people in advancing years that think they might be actually suffering from any of these issues after playing a game for so long? Is there any way out for them? What can they do to to maybe help themselves looking into the future? Um, a lot about making uh, healthy lifestyle choices. We like to say at the Centre for Brain Research that anything that's good for your heart is also good for your brain. So exercise, healthy eating, um, looking after yourself in those sorts of ways and really monitoring cognitive function. So um, the, the real hallmark of these diseases is that they progress over time. You see um, problems with memory, you see problems with um, mood and, and functions um, that that get worse over time. So understanding what your normal is, what your baseline is, and then if there are changes, being able to kind of measure and monitor that is what's really important um, to be able to detect these, these sorts of diseases. Is this, is this gender 
specific, Dr. Murray? Is it worse or better, be it male or, or, or female, based on, I suppose, the amount of contact sport that is actually played? Is there any, any talk around that? I think this is one of the biggest areas that really needs some attention. We just don't have a lot of data about female athletes and women in sport. And a lot of that is because women in sport um, at an elite level is, is a relatively new phenomenon in the, in the context of history. It's only been, you know, 20, 30 years that we've actually started to get real, uh, you know, women having careers in sport. And so this data just isn't available. Um, and so we don't know yet. But I think it's something that we need to prioritise. As women's sport becomes professional, it's a lot easier to track things like playing career and the number of head impacts that they might sustain and game time. Um, so we can actually start doing these sorts of studies. Is the, I suppose the biggest take out of this, it's not that, and you've touched on it a couple of times, not at the professional level, but um, the rank and file, all the rest of us who play casual sport at an, at an amateur level, the weekend warriors, if you will, because that's where most of the people are actually engaged in sport, not the tiny percentage of, of super professionals. Yeah, I think the, the professional game um, has brought a lot of attention to these issues. There's been a lot of high-profile athletes coming out and, and sharing their stories of, of dementia and their diagnosis and how it's affected them, and that's really raising awareness. But it's not something that's limited to professional athletes. And, and amateur athletes and, and people who are just sort of playing sport for, um, you know, throughout their lives also need to be aware that, that these, these head injuries um, do pose a risk to your long-term brain health. Should contact sports, collision sports, be concerned about this as far as being able to engage players at a young age? I think they definitely need to be um, looking at how to address it. Um, you know, there is risk in everything we do in life, and, and a lot of that is, is understanding the risk and doing the best we can to mitigate it and making sure that everything um, that we do, you know, we're, we're not putting ourselves unnecessarily at risk of head injuries. And I think that's really where the action needs to come, is just making sure that, you know, young children don't need to be getting hit in the head when, you know, when they're training. It's just, it's just not necessary, right? So how do we... How do we do it in a sport-specific way and make sure that um, you know, we're looking after people so that they don't have a long career of, of head injuries? Dr Helen Murray, we thank you very much for your time. And, and in parting, do you have anything else you'd like to add to our conversation that you feel is uh, relevant to this situation? Yeah, I guess I just want to pass on that you know we are doing this research here in New Zealand as well. At the Centre for Brain Research, we have a sports brain bank initiative. We, we are studying the brains of former athletes who have passed away to understand you know, how these head injuries actually change the brain structure and what we can do um, to try and prevent and, and, you know, solve these brain diseases in the long term. So, you know, there is research happening here and, and we hope to keep on it updated as we, as we get our results. And on that, we thank you very much for your time and expertise. It's been a pleasure. Dr. Helen Murray, thanks for yours. Cool. Thank you very much.